0: Where is the music? There it is. There it is.
1: Just give me a second. A lot of buttons to push. (laughs) Well, hey, welcome back once again to Rhythms of Grace. I am so glad that you're joining us. Uh, My name is Nate. I'm the executive pastor at Grace Church, and I'm here with Sung Kim, who is the lead pastor. And uh, we have spent the last several weeks kind of talking about things in and around the book of Job. Um, And so we're going to do that again. And this this Conversation really is sort of like sermon cutting room floor. It is okay. So why don't you tell us what what you had to cut for time?
0: Well, because during the sermon, I, I said that this was like a six point sermon because I had three points of uh, Joe in the context of Job's friends, and then three points in the context of our culture today. Okay. Originally, it was supposed to be a 9-point oh, sermon. Oh jeez. I don't think I've ever done that. <laughs> like, right, that would have taken like 2 hours to yeah. Go through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just as a quick review, some of the uh, today we're going to talk about clichés, platitudes and half-truths mm-hmm. and uh, we I said this in the sermon, but it's a half-truth is when you take a part of the truth and exaggerate it to make it the whole truth. And and the three half-truths that Job's friends outline we covered was one, all suffering is a result of sin. Two was you reap what you sow. And three, God is just. And, and the tricky part of half-truths are they are true, mm-hmm. but they're not the totality of truth.
1: Yeah, the one that jumped out to me in the sermon uh, was actually you reap what you sow. I mean, it, surprise, surprise, agricultural metaphor. Of course, I like I hone in on those <laughs> like a laser. Uh, but it is true that that you reap what you sow, but you also sow things that you didn't reap. That's for good and for ill. So there's blessings that we get that aren't necessarily a result of things that we've done. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, we sometimes reap things that are a result of the bro- brokenness of the world around us or the sin that exists in other people. You know, like, there's a... A tough example but someone who's in an abusive relationship a child let's say they're not they're reaping pain but it's not because of anything they did right. so so you reap what you sow is like true on the front half if you do something the bible says you will you will experience the kind of logical results of that right. by and large because of something you did right and so it's just that's again it's
0: a good clarification yeah it's like I reap weeds on
1: my lawn, right? But I right. didn't sow it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect example.
0: Who came and sowed those weeds in my right. lawn? Right,
1: or like, like again, it's maple syrup season on the farm. We're reaping maple syrup, but but we didn't plant all those trees. They're just they're just there. So that's on the positive side, yeah. you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so again, uh, we won't go through and rehash, but uh, go back to the sermon if you want to talk through or uh, consider why those would be half-truths. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, and then originally, there were going to be six half-truths that we we're going to talk about that as it relates to today. Um, uh, let me just go through them. Three of these we covered in the sermon, three of these we didn't. So one was prosperity without purpose, which we'll talk about here in this podcast. Uh, second was God without the church, which I talked about in the sermon. Mm-hmm. Uh, a third one was Jesus without the Bible, which we'll talk again here. Okay. Uh, the fourth one was acceptance without standards when it came to Jesus, and, and we talked about that already in the sermon. Five was Bible without the Spirit, which we'll talk today. And number six was grace without good works, which we talked about in the
1: sermon. Okay. So and, we're going to cover three, basically. Uh, hopefully. Yeah. All right, we'll see what we can do.
0: And I think before we even consider that, you know, when it comes to half-truths and even, even the questions that we ask, what, what's really interesting is uh, when you consider the ancient world that Job lived in, they had very different sensitivities and they asked very different questions than we did. You know, and, that, that, and that's why we, we, to, uh, we talked about kind of modern cultural half-truths today because, for example, uh, we often ask, how how can God punish sinners? You know, or you know, they asked a very different question. It was almost the opposite. They they said, "How can a holy God not punish sinners? Like if He doesn't respond to wickedness, like what kind of God is He?" So just to understand, like it's a very different context. And so uh, they had different half truths, and we will wrestle with very different ones too. For, uh, like another example, real quick is when we suffer, we'll say, "Well, where is God?" Well, when Job suffered. Uh, He was like, God, leave me alone. Uh, Your presence is too haunting and intense. Yeah. And
1: so it's a very different reality. Yeah. Yeah. And so part of what it sounds like you're saying is that generally, oftentimes half-truths are tied to sort of a cultural experience. Yeah. Um, They they can be culturally specific. And some of the things that we experience as half-truths wouldn't really even necessarily make sense. Uh, to Job and his friends, for example, just because the framework is so so different, right, right? Okay, so we're talking about things that are culturally specific half truths. What what's the what's the first one? We yeah. Want to take so
0: again, uh, one that got left on the cutting room floor is prosperity without purpose. Okay. Uh, on one hand, God uh, says He will prosper the righteous, uh, and uh, like that is true. It, it is said in several places, in many different places in Scripture. But what we often do is we take that in part and exaggerate it to be the whole. And so we define prosperity to mean, let's say, material or even career success. Mm. And so even when somebody says, oh, I'm blessed, like, what do they refer to? It's, well, uh, you know, I have a great career. I have a great family. And, you know, uh, my stocks went up because the market went up. Yeah. You know, Um, or there's a sense of like, well, uh, prosperity means God shows up to help me achieve what I want.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: and so God does promise us prosperity, but it is in His way and in His time, which is very different because we def- we want to uh, uh, um, define prosperity as like a house in the hills, a cabin in the woods, um, a-, a Tesla in my five car garage. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah,
0: but that's not always the case.
1: You know, that reminds me of another thing that I was thinking as I was listening uh, to your sermon, which is that oftentimes these half-truths are a result of us um, kind of over-personalizing the truths of the gospel, of the Bible. And I think you referenced that. um, I I can't remember exactly where that jumped out to me, but what you're saying right now reminds me of it, which is that we want to define prosperity the way that we see it, the way that prosperity looks to us in our life. And the concept of of God promising prosperity is much larger than that. In other words, it's not all about you. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's a big part of it. But also that, that we are a part, we should see ourselves as a part of God's story, as a as opposed to seeing God as a part of our story. Right. Saying, well, for me, I've defined prosperity this way, which means, God, I need you to show up like this. Otherwise, you're not being the God that you promised to be. Right. And that's just a fundamentally like misaligned understanding of how we work, and it causes us to believe a half-truth.
0: Right. I remember a, a, a while ago, a rapper-turned-preacher once said, show me your bank account, and I'll show you how much faith you have, hmm. which is like prosperity gospel. Yeah. Right. And I just try to imagine him saying that to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? right.
1: Son of man has yeah, no place to lay exactly. his head. Yeah.
0: And then I wonder what Jesus would think about the diamond cross that uh, the rapper was wearing. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're wearing that that form of execution that that, uh, that I died on. <laughs> and you have you've encrusted it with diamonds. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, again, um, God wants to prosper us. But. When we take that part of the truth and exaggerate it to be the whole truth, what we often do is we, we neglect uh, other areas of truth, and, and that places it against other places in scripture, so for example, God does want to prosper us, but he also says that well, take up your cross and deny yourself and follow me mm-hmm. yeah you can't just talk about prosperity without both holding intention, that call to deny yourself and follow him, yeah yeah, I think the other danger too is to take to, to take that and and swing the pendulum the other way and say, well, you know, God wants you to suffer.
1: Right, right.
0: And and you can't do that as well, too. And you can't settle for either half-truth. And both of those forms of Christianity, like... This hyper ascetic and this hyper prosperity driven gospel—it's it, it, not the gospel, right? It's like a—it's—it's a, it's a half truth on both sides. It, it is, yeah. So that—that's one prosperity without purpose. We got to be careful because again, that half truth can has have really devastating effects on our relationship with God and our faith,
1: right? And in some ways, you know, uh, what's often re, um, communicated in Scripture is that prosperity. Uh, on the righteous is a way of God revealing himself like it's it's not it's like it's not about um like rewarding good behavior it's not for our kind of benefit as much as it is for God to demonstrate his generosity and blessing and etc and that's another place where we start to misalign it right where we we believe that that uh it's that it's about us and it's not about God as the Bible describes
0: right yeah, yeah. so that, that's the first one that got left on the cutting room floor. Uh, another one was Jesus without the Bible. Mm. And uh, again, like I hear people say, and I say too, well, it's all about Jesus. Well, and it's true. I mean, all scripture points to and culminates in the person of Jesus. You know, everything is from him, through him, to him. It is all about Jesus. Yeah. Where we go wrong is sometimes we take that part truth and we want to exaggerate it. And then what comes out of that is, well, because it's all about Jesus, I, I don't really need to to read Paul mm. and what he says because, you know, I, I, well, he's kind of sexist, right. right? Or why do we need to read the Old Testament? It's just, it's, it's about Jesus. Mm. Besides, mm-hmm. there are things in the Old Testament I don't understand. It seems really barbaric and primitive. It's all about Jesus. And the problem is, Jesus says, if you want to know me, uh, Read the law, read the prophets, read the Old Testament. Yeah. And so you can't know Jesus apart from the, 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 that part of the narrative of redemption. Yeah, it, It's almost like imagine watching like part three, the return of the king, like just by itself. Like you have no context for why the grandeur of the narrative and the culmination is so like majestic and and awesome because you have no context for that.
1: Yeah. And in some ways, even I, I did, I remember one time when I was reading through the Bible for a year and I was reading the Old Testament and I remember telling my wife like, oh my gosh, I can't can't wait to see like how many babies get killed this morning like that was what, that was what the old testament felt like right like yeah. just over like just but without that as sort of a framework and an understanding and understanding of the history you almost can't appreciate or realize how transformative the message of Jesus was and how transformative the cross was, this barbaric symbol was um, without like kind of that foundation. So it is, it is important, you know, and, and we can't simply sort of ignore portions, inconvenient portions or difficult to understand portions of scripture just by saying, well, we're just going to focus on Jesus instead.
0: Right, right. And that whole area of Bible difficulties is something that I've been trying to devise. Okay, what is that season two? We go through a whole bunch of those. I mean, because again, I hear that over and over again from Christians. Like, Mm -hmm. I just don't get
1: why this would happen.
0: Or, you know, and and honestly, I'm still wrestling through that. I don't have all the answers.
1: Oh, for sure. I was just reading something um, yesterday that left me going like, what, what, how do you, how do I fit that? How do I fit that into my understanding of who God is or who he calls us to be? Yeah. It was an old Testament. It was an old Testament passage full of murder. It was, I can't even remember what it was.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so that might be a future season that we kind of uh, discover that and explore that. Mm-hmm. So that's that second uh, second one, Jesus without the Bible. Uh, oh, uh, let me just one last thing about that is when when you when you just say it's all about Jesus and you ignore the other parts of Scripture, what often happens is we recreate Jesus in our own image, and, and that's the danger. Yeah, because you, I mean, basically, you enculturate Jesus to fit your culture, right? Right. Uh, and, and your propensities and tendencies and your worldview well that 's what Jesus is, yeah, and so again, without him, without grounding who he is in, in the larger story of scripture, you lose sight of who who Jesus really is yeah
1: i mean, I mean I think i 've heard you say that in some ways like what what have you said about like if Jesus l- looks like you or if, if <laughs> yeah. so, like if he votes like you do and- <laughs> right then it 's p- perhaps a good sign that your <laughs> image of jesus you 've made Jesus in in your image. Yeah. Because there are things about him that we don't understand and perhaps don't like or are very, very hard truths for us. And if we begin to eliminate those, then we're... We're experiencing a half-truth of who Jesus was.
0: Yeah, and just imagine any real relationship you're in, whether it's a spouse or a friend, you will always be confronted with a part of them that you just are either offended by, hurt by, or just, like, you just don't understand. Yeah. And every relationship, no matter how long you've been married, you are discovering things about each other. Yeah. Instead, we want Jesus in, like, this little plastic-wrapped kind of novel that kind of comes with a pretty bow. Yeah. And there, there we have Jesus, and it's like, no, no, he's always stretching our boundaries. Yeah,
1: that's good. That's a good one.
0: Uh, the last one that was left on the cutting room floor is the Bible without the Holy Spirit, which um, again pertains to certain pockets uh, and subsets of the Christian faith. But so, on one hand, the Bible is sufficient. Yes, it, is, it reveals God to us, and it is God's Word alone that cuts our heart through our hearts and changes our lives it it is not the preacher's opinions it is it's it's god's word and while we might not say well we don't need the holy spirit uh, i i will say like sometimes the tendency is to live as if uh you know one one author francis chan wrote a book called the forgotten god Mm. talking Mm -hmm. about the holy spirit yeah yeah. At least I think
1: so. I I haven't read the book. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> us hope he's talking about one of the Trinity.
0: <laughs> yeah. But but I mean it's true like again so, some camps it's like that that's all they talk about. Yeah. Holy Spirit this, Holy Spirit yeah. that. Yep. But it, uh and, and in other camps it's,
1: it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Scriptures.
0: Yeah, it yeah. is. It <laughs> yeah. is. And it's almost like it's as if there's nothing else that God wants to reveal to us because, well, God's given us the Bible. Right. So what else is there? Revelation is closed. Well, and once, yeah, like the problem is the Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Mm. And it's only through the Holy Spirit that we can rightly understand, interpret, and apply God's Word into our lives. And so the, the Bible is sufficient. But what happens is we often deny the power of the Holy Spirit yeah. to work in us and reveal uh, not new revelations but like new insights and, and new things about us and, and a new perspective on God from our from we're, from yeah. our vantage point. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it's it, some of it is is what I've heard people say where it's like the Bible is written for you, but not to you. Yep. You know, and so there, and when God was speaking to someone in the Bible, they they had relationships and they had a cultural context, and 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 like they needed help interpreting that, what God was saying in the midst of all of these variables as well. And so it can it can be a half truth to simply say I'm going to interpret these words exactly or like verbatim without context. And, and simply say like, Oh, but that's, then that's, then that's what it has to be. Yeah. Uh, the Holy Spirit helps us discern and, and apply and interpret um, the, the actual words themselves. Is that yep. what you're saying? Yeah, I'm yeah. not, okay. I want to make mm-hmm. sure I'm not being a heretic here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so again, like that, that's just, th- th- those are some of the points that got left out in the sermon. And you know, this whole area of half truths, cliches, platitudes, I mean, you know, you and I talk a lot about this, about paradoxes and living in the tension—the yeah. both and, and not the either or. Like th- this is just, I don't know, like a, a personal obsession of mine too, mm-hmm. uh, because because as I interact with people, uh, they're they're going back to one of our previous podcasts. There is so much, like everything is black and white, yeah, and, and there's so very little like nuancing and like not only critically thinking, but biblically thinking through the whole counsel of God.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and what, what can happen, I mean, one of the dangers is that they're like people that are outside of faith. If they're seeing shades of gray, and th- those shades of gray exist, and the only thing that we can present is sort of a black and white boundary perspective, then we, without even meaning to we, we make the truth of the gospel, our half truths of the gospel, a barrier. Mm-hmm. They Someone will say, well, like, look, that doesn't account for this and this and this and this. And we found ourselves actually getting in the way of them understanding the, the very message that we want them to hear.
0: Right, right. The analogy I think of when I think of. Uh, us as Christians and as a church, when we do that, it's kind of like the equivalent of like, God calls us, Hey, you are the light of the world. But oftentimes when we present us ourselves that way, it's almost like uh, turning on the, the high beams of a car. Yeah. You blind everybody on yeah. the road. And yeah. instead of shining the light of the gospel, you blind people to the gospel. Yeah. And so, uh, Christians, we do this all the time when we have like, like just simple cliches, like God said it, I believe it, that settles it.
1: Like a bumper sticker, <laughs> yeah. sort of bumper it, sticker theology. Yeah, it is. And yeah. it's like,
0: well, that, that's a half truth. Right. Unless you nuance that out, like, man, that's going to be taken the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or we talked about this before too, before we started recording, love the sinner, hate the sin. Yeah. Man, like it's, it's simplistic reductionistic theology. Which kind of leads us the wrong way, and, and honestly, uh, there's a whole series of half truths and Bible difficulties. Maybe we'll consider for doing season two. Uh, the the other thought I had for season two is, uh, and I know a number of people uh, in our church and outside the church have have been interested in this and have asked me about this, but about diving deeper into the Enneagram mm, mm-hmm. or anything else. In fact, if you, I mean, what would be really helpful is if you want, if you could just email us and just give us any feedback yeah. on on the podcast you've already listened to and, and, and issues or themes that you want us to talk yeah, about
1: what you want to hear more of,
0: we will consider that for the next season. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that seems like a, we've covered the three things and yep. we've talked about some that we don't have time to cover. Yep. Um, but I, 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 one of the things that I love about walking into the gray areas is that I I believe that that one of the things that we have to offer is a sense of mystery and a sense of of things that are beyond ourselves, um, and when we reduce God or Jesus or our theology into these really sort of trite or really pithy sayings, we can begin to eliminate some of those transformative elements yeah. of mystery yeah. and of the unknowing. Um, and that's what we're trying to lean into. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Well, thanks Sung. Thanks for your thoughts. Thanks for taking time to uh, walk us through the cutting room floor. Thank you everyone for joining us. And I hope you will check us out next week as we finish up our conversation on the book of Job.